Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contained high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Trevor Cool MC. How are you, brother? I'm good. Thank you very much, Chris, for having me on. Oh, mate, it's an absolute pleasure. I feel like we're like we know each other, but we've been passing chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I've been watching your podcast quite a lot. Yes. Oh, mate, we're a bit of a we're a bit of a mixed bag, aren't we? We we try to talk about everything and anything that you know. Well, we're called yeah. Bought the T shirt because my aim was just to ha- you know, for young people, there's so much pressures on them these days that probably we didn't have or I didn't have. Uh, um, and if there's in any way I can spur them on to just get out and live life and, and not be afraid of stuff and achieve their dreams. And um, But you're a man who has <laughs> who has been out there in the thick of it. I don't even know where to start, Trev. Should we start at the beginning? <laughs> Yeah, well, first of all, I agree with I agree with your your sentiment there. I bought the t shirt, and uh, I have a sort of like not the yeah. I think probably the same outlook where I try and tell people, listen, stop sitting on the fence, stop being anti, well, be yourself. Because if you keep trying, we don't fit in a box. We're not meant to fit in. A, I tell people, listen, just say say what if you offend somebody, and and but it's your if you say the truth and you're honest, and if it offends someone, then it offends them. It's their issue. It's not your issue. So I agree with the bought the T-shirt, the whole sentiment behind it. It's like, you know what? Just, but it's hard to be yourself, Chris, in a, in a world where everyone wants to counsel you for saying the wrong thing. So I do get that as well. You have to see walking on eggshells everywhere. Yes. Well, it's part of the control mechanism, isn't it? You know, if, yeah. if people are afraid to say what's right and and, and um, it's... Uh, be great if more if more people just come out and said the truth yeah well i've been i've been uh on the verge of people have been trying to counsel me for about eight years chris and uh many of them have been in the veterans community i'm going to be honest um like you i i thoroughly enjoyed my service i loved it okay i wasn't i started off now here i'm not saying i finished the same but i started off as a dickhead Honestly, I joined the army. I got away from a housing estate. I got. I went to Cyprus for my first posting. I loved it. I loved it, being part of a team. It was so much fun. Do you know what? You were never skint, but you were always skint at the same because no matter how much money you had in your pocket, someone else would take you out for a beer. So you always had a beer. You always had fun. You had a good team. And 
I just wish that that had a followed suit as a veteran because when I was in my unit, um, the people that were great soldiers that I looked up to, and there was quite a few in my unit that I aspired to be, and I learned something from them all. So I'm you, know, you learn from people. They left the army and just disappeared, just disappeared. The ones that I served with, the ones who hated the army, always late, pissed, hated this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, are the ones now running around on Remembrance Day with the regimental blazer on with a tie, and they, they now love the army now that they're out of it, but they hated it when they're in. Well, I find that the ones that um, the ones that come after me constantly are ones that I that were in my unit but never actually worked with me, if that makes sense. So people from different companies that, that were looking at me going, look at that prick there. There he is with his MC. There he is doing this. There he is in the papers again. Afghanistan, this and that. I've got people that from afar in my unit despised the ground I worked on, or, or sorry, walked on. Mm. And to this day, I haven't been in my, my unit since 2009, and I still receive voicemails, drunken voicemails from people going, you're, a, you're, you're an asshole. I, I'm going to tell people about your MC, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, go for it. Where's this come from? I was on a patrol, and you know what size a patrol is, but for some reason that patrol I was on, there's about a thousand people now that say they're on that patrol. And everyone's got a different story. And I, the one thing that I, I would like to point out, and you know this better than anyone, right? See if you're involved in an incident. doesn't matter how many people are involved in that. You come back in from that patrol, and everyone gets questioned what they did, how many rounds they fired, what they seen, what the threat was, what vehicle they were in. And you have to write a mini statement, right, of what you did. Everyone on that patrol writes the same statement about what they seen from their perception. Those statements get collated, and it gets looked at. Unfortunately, and I say this for many people, unfortunately for many people, I was the one that was given the multi cross. Other people weren't given it. But now I hear, yeah, but such and such was in the front vehicle. He fired more rounds than you. Yes, he fucking did, but he never hit a barn door. Doesn't matter if you fire a bazooka or a tank or fucking change mags and fire 90 rounds. If you're not eliminating the threat, it doesn't matter. You're not adding value to the patrol. So on the patrol that, 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 I got awarded the multi cross. I'm gonna be on. I was in. I was in the rear vehicle, Chris. We had a um, a vehicle-borne ambush at the front. Basically, an ID in the vehicle, allegedly because we didn't get the C in the vehicle. But it started reversing towards a convoy, which we were, we had uh, three-star general Houghton's vehicles in there and stuff, and we were escorting them up and down the uh, route Irish, and we got hit. The front couple of snatches started engaging the target. I was in the rear vehicle. I had no reason to be looking at the front. My arcs were from 12 to 6, and I was looking at that angle. So all my job was on that patrol was not to get involved in the shit at the front, was to make sure the back of the convoy was safe and to make sure their arcs were safe. I noticed two guys running out from what was known as the uncleared flats. They were setting up a gun, and they were trying to engage the vehicles. That's what I noticed. I didn't care about what was happening at the front. I didn't get sucked into it. I noticed them. I then started engaging them until I limited the threat. I got rid of that threat. That was my job. Came back in, came back out. Uh, I'm going to be honest, uh, the, I did a little bit of the threat. Whenever we got into the American camp and we got out, and we, we sort of calmed down for a few minutes. I remember um, this hand was shaking quite a lot. Just this hand. I felt great. This hand was shaking. My nerves were going in the hand. And I was like, okay, I remember what happened. I wrote notes in my, my little patrol book. Went back in, gave my statement. Thought nothing of it. Got the tour done. Then uh, during the tour, I got uh, I found out I was going to uh, Hellman with three para. So I'm now in Hellman. This is a different tour. 
So I left Baghdad probably around about February 2006. March, I was in Oman. April, April, I was in Sangin for another six months with three power. I went, did do back-to-back tours. I, I used to enjoy it. But I remember on the uh, 7th of September 2006, I got a call on, on the, uh, the, three, the 320, the radio in, in Sangin. Uh, the OC, Major Paul Blair, DSO, said to me, uh, couple of phone call for you. And I went in and, and it was uh, the, I think it was the brigade commander or somebody that was on the phone, someone high up, saying, congratulations, you've been aboard an MC for your work in Baghdad. And I was stunned. I was like, what? You take, I thought it was a wind up. So I, I, I hung up on the brigade commander <laughs> and walked off. And my OC went, but what happened there? I said, sir, it's a wind up. He said, it's not a wind up. That was the brigade commander. Did you hang up in the brigade commander? And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, and so I only found out I got awarded on the 7th of September. I, I'm going to be honest, the patrol I was on in Baghdad at the time, um, didn't think I did anything different, anything special, nothing. Uh, we used to do that stuff in Baghdad day in, day out and singing. I mean, it was singing was 10 times worse, but um, I never accepted it, if I'm going to be honest, because I found out on the 7th of September, on the 6th of September, the day previous, I was sitting beside my 2AC as a section commander when a mortar landed behind and took off half his head and, and he died. So that happened the day before. Uh, so whenever I found out on the 7th, it didn't really hit home. I just ignored it. And I didn't tell anyone because we were grieving. You don't rub your face. So I just ignored it. But um, but I found that uh, I got attacked nonstop because of that from people going, you didn't deserve it. Sutton such was at the front of the patrol. He fired more rounds than you. And I'm like, well, yeah. I identified every round I fired. It was all done by SIB. And they, seen, they all know where my rounds went. My rounds hit targets. doesn't matter if it's the front of the fucking whole magazine spraying. If you're not hitting anything, you're, you, know, you shouldn't be on a patrol. But um, I've had now about a decade of insults from the Royal Irish Regiment from certain people that weren't even on that patrol who say, I don't deserve it, hand it back, do this, do that. And after a while, it gets very tiresome. It gets That's why I don't wear it. I couldn't be bothered with it. I just couldn't be bothered with the shit that comes with it. There's, yeah. there's it there. I just get I just get sick of the shit that comes with that, mate. It just it just to me it's just it doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It it used to I used to think it was nice, and then now I just now, now it's just brought me so much shit. I just I'd rather I wish I'd never have got it, Chris. Mm. The shiniest gongs cast the darkest shadows. They say. <laughs> yes. Do you do you think, mate? Well, I've, I've kind of got this theory that. I think a, a lot of people leave the military and obviously we become veterans and, and mm. when they look back, it's probably like the, one of the most important things they did in their life, you know, or, or the, one of the things they're the most proud of. And yeah, then let's just say you go on and you have 20 years as a, a plumber, no disrespect to the wonderful plumber. I mean, who doesn't need a bloody plumber when you need a plumber, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? You know, incredible skill, but way more than I've, I've got him, uh, you know, very talented um, tradesman, et cetera, et cetera, or whatever it might be. But is there isn't that sense of glory that that you have when you? I don't know. In my case, it was wearing a green yeah. a green lid, or or and it, I, I think people really cling to that identity. And and, and yeah, I I I I would advise people not to because I. You know, the past is the past. Exactly. You know, and you, you should live by what you do today. You know, are you a good well, pa- parent, for example? You know, are, are, yeah. are, are you keeping it real? Are you happy? Da, 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 da. Well, but, yeah. 
I've got, I've got well, I've, I've still got loads going on because uh, uh, I got injured uh, two thousand eight. I stayed in the army uh, right up until two thousand and fifteen, and I ended up getting discharged with fucking. Uh, I've got permanent neurological brain damage where I've been thrown around. And my brain's been thrown around, and so uh, I've no hearing in my right ear. I've got a hearing aid, which I won't work. Some fucking what's that word? Uh, I don't know. I just self conscious of it. I just don't. So I've got it sitting there, but the. So I keep myself. Sorry, what, myself. Did, what, what, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've got I've got three injuries, and when, whenever I got discharged in two thousand fifteen, um, they discharged me with all these different things wrong with me, and then I went okay. So I put a claim in, and then I got letters back saying, well, "Can you prove that these are all from service related?" And I was like, "Are you fucking having a laugh, really?" So I've been fighting the MOD since two thousand fifteen. It's about to go to high court with different issues about. And I'm hoping to fix issues with veterans' mental health because there's a lot to do with veterans' mental health. But the army say they support you. Oh, we have up courage. We 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 support veterans, but in reality, you're not because we should have a system like. I know it sounds weird, but like if you go to ITC, they've got a they've got a company which is full of injured soldiers, like a back. Uh, uh, you're being back something back squatted place where you get fixed. Well, the army should have uh, an old disused camp. I believe where. If you're injured or anything, you go to that camp for rehabilitation to go back to your unit rather than just kick you out into Sibby Street where you've got no support group. Um, that's the one thing I've been fighting for for years. And uh, I've spoke to Johnny Mercer about it, who's very keen. He had his hands tied for a long time. He's now getting back into it. But And I've been to the MOD to speak to General Richard Noogie and different Chief of Defence staff about why can't we use some of the budget to open up an old issues military camp and have it for rehabilitation. However, having this new service which is a confidential uh, line for serving soldiers, which means serving soldiers now don't have to go to the medical centre mm -hmm. or signposted there, which was the body-body system that soldiers use. They're now using a phone call and phoning and it's being done confidentially. That's a good thing. It's not really, because after they've spoke to the, the medical chain and say, and it's been confidence to combat stress, they're picking up the rifle with 30 rounds, an automatic rifle, and they're going straight on duty. And then they say, what about Headley Court? Well, no. Henley Courts is, is a charity-based MOD fund place filled with civilians. You want to go to a place which has got veterans in there or serving uh, nurses, Royal Alexander Nursing Corps, places where all the military specialists go, where you have platoons that come out in the morning, like ordinary units, and where are you going today? And you keep it the body-body system, which is missing. And that's what I've been trying to push. So I'm hoping that that gets some sort of help in the near future. But... It's a nightmare trying to get anything done. And, there, and the issue I've got is because I've got PTSD and I push for PTSD and mental health, the people that come and attach themselves to me, Chris, are suffering with mental health. Mm. And that's where the attacks come nonstop. People are fucked up. And they will, uh, for instance, there was a guy in my unit who's been doing it now for God so many years. I won't say his second name. Everyone knows that. Uh, Davey. Davey sends me voicemails every time he's pissed, five or six a night. I hate you. I hate, and I'm like, Davey. You didn't hit me last month when I fucking paid your groceries for the month before we helped get your rent. So the more you help people, the more they will cling on to you. And the minute you turn from them and you try to do something else, you become the worst person in the world. And you like are the center. Alexis just came on to answer that question for you, Chris. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the more you help the people that are broken, if they have no other anchor to go to, you're going to be the centre of their universe and they're the one that's going to attack you non-stop and they drag you down and you're like, oh, can we bother with this? But I've got used to it. I found that, um, I found that being on Facebook 
and Twitter were the two toxic platforms which which helped drive my mental health down. Chris, so I stopped doing it. But the, I enjoy, I get a bit of self satisfaction and a bit of purpose from seeing another veteran thrive. I think that's good to to lift them up. But the, you must see this as well. I mean, I've I've looked at your podcast and I've seen the amount of uh, I'll call them famous famous veterans you've had on here, and. I find that, and I've done this as well. I've I've I've, I've spoke to Ant and and and, and Burr, different things, and, and and Phil. I find that a lot of veterans though um, are happy to wear a Royal British Legion T-shirt and are happy to wear something with a signature on it, and they think that's their work done. They think that's their bit done. They won't they won't get their hands dirty and they won't push for things to help fix the very veterans that they say they support. And there's too many of them like that, Chris. It fucking breaks my heart. Yes, and 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 Trev, you got a great quote on your uh youtube channel so but you've got a great quote on there mate it says we we're a team one person struggle we all struggle one person triumphs we all triumph and just from that alone mate like uh it 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 did nothing good to be comes from this constant aggravation you know yeah yeah you, you, you know just veterans attacking veterans and I really think, Trevor, and I don't know your thoughts on this, but the suicide rate in the veterans community is disproportionately high. And I think a lot of people want to, in, including the brass and, and, and then obviously the powers above them, they just want to write it off as, oh, this guy saw this such terrible stuff in combat that he come and And I'm always trying to highlight, well, hang on, a lot of us joined up from broken homes. We... Yeah, we, you know, we'd experienced trauma from like two two years old, three years old, when you couldn't make sense of that shit, you know, so it's all stowed away up there. And no doubt situations veterans or, or soldiers experiencing combat are, are unpleasant, but you are an adult and you did yeah. volunteer for that. You you have yeah. a different cognitive capacity to deal with that. All not saying it's nice, mm. very different from uh, from uh, like many of us who who were you know abused toddlers, where we stowed away that 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 mm. that that trauma, and what happens is I think people leave the military and they leave that comfortable you know umbrella because it's just it is what it is. You get paid twenty four seven. You get all your sickness and health taken care of. You you don't have to you know particularly kind of think personal development all the time like i do now every single day just to keep my head above water you know and i think the government are having a bit of a lack well i'll say government it it goes a lot higher as we all know but i think they're they they're they're very happy that people think ptsd is something you just get on the battlefield because then they they don't have to deal with the fact that well hang on why are you recruiting very damaged people in the first or damaged people in the first place why are you sending them into civvy street without recognizing that that you know there's a big problem in the forces a lot of people with a, a battling trauma yeah uh, you know not from childhood it, it could be uh, uh, whatever and it's very convenient to just write it off that ptsd is something that you get on the battlefield rather than than looking at the bigger picture a single well uh about two probably two or three weeks ago, I got sent for by the MOD. I had to go to London to King's College where I had to sit through an assessment from the the top mental health guy in the UK, a guy called Professor Neil Greenberg. Very good at what he does. Not slagging him off, very good at what he does. The army hire him. Uh, 
to sit down and look at veterans prior to court cases to see if these veterans are pulling the wool. And I understand that because there might be quite a few pulling the wool pretending because PTSD became a badge of honour there for about two or three years. So he sat down in front of me and he asked me all these questions about growing up and about my childhood and about my military career and about different tours. And he then started asking me things about, he says, take me back to Sagan in the orchard. Tell me what happened. And I looked at him and I went, you sure? He went, yeah. I, looked, I said, really? I said, it's, I'm going to be honest. I, I called him, sir, to have it. I said, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I went through PTSD resolution to get rid of all this shit and you want me to bring it back up? I said, I don't think it's a good thing. He went, well, tell me what happened. And I had to sit there and as I was chatting to him, Chris, the tears, I wasn't crying, I wasn't, but the tears were coming down my face and I was trying to explain to him about what happened that day and about, um, I was sitting having a brief, the motor landed behind, the shrapnel took off in direction, it hit the tree that I was leaning against, it went through the back, so mm. it went through the side of my friend's head, took part of his head off, it went through my other friend who was sitting to the left of me, his abdomen came out and I was explaining this to him and I didn't want, and do you know what, I found out that I left there in bits and he goes, tell me about this happened and what happened? He said to me, um, what happened with the sergeant major from the FSG in Tupara? And I went, I don't think this is a good idea to discuss. I, says, I said, do you not know better? You're meant, to be the, you're meant to be the highest guy. And what he was doing was, as I was explaining everything, he was sitting with a little small iPod writing everything down. And he wanted me to, to discuss about why I made a decision one day. I think anyone that's been in the battlefield, including yourself, you will know this 100%. There was one day where we got off. Uh, I went in with, with part of uh, an air assault with, with two para, and it was I think it was um, might have been two or three Chinooks in the air, and we all landed. We and we had guys shot shot in the chopper before it landed. I mean, it was such a hot LZ, and we got off. And as we got off, uh, everything went to rat shit. The quad was meant to drive off the back. Big Dean Kurgan was driving that. He he ended up on the PF. He was meant to drive forward about forty meters and stop. Trailer filled with spare ammunition. Well, we had practices, rehearsals on the pan for about, uh, probably two or three days solid, and it was working like clockwork. On the actual day, the Chinook landed, he drove off. As he drove off, it sank into the fucking marsh, and he was. the rest of us had to climb over the back of him to get out, right? And our our order of march and, and, and our, our platoons were all mixed up. It was fucking, went to bag of shit, honestly. Uh, as we moved off, I had... Um, a W2, uh, nice guy, I'll mention him, W2 Mark Williams, uh, two-part FSG commander. And he was in, I was the platoon sergeant, and as I was moving forward with my platoon, um, we were under fire, and it was fucking heavy fire, and it was bouncing in front of us, and we were like, what the hell? And as we tried to move forward um, towards the high ground, Mark got up, and I remember one, one of the my bosses shouting across, what are you doing? get down. And he was like, no, I need to go. What happened? And as he moved up a little bit, he got shot, single sniper. But it went through the side of his armour and ripped, I mean, it tore his, I mean, um, he fell. And I remember him lying probably, I think about 10 metres in front of me. And I was a platoon sergeant at the back. I had my medic there and everyone around. And I, I said, uh, people in, uh, were shouting at me, go and get him, go and get him. And I was like, fucking no, no. And my medic wanted to go. And I said, no, you're staying here. I cannot afford to move forward with a medic or, or guys until we've suppressed the until we've suppressed that position and won the firefight. If we move forward, we could take more casualties, and th that was my thought process, Chris. Uh, and uh, eventually, I think it's about after ten minutes, move forward, managed to get into a dip, get the sergeant major, turn him over. My medic checked him; he had died straight away. And then my 
these things kick in, right? They sack off. Okay, ammo. Let's get the ammo distributed. All share. My, it's, how you think it's weirder? Share and I's kit. Go to my bag. That needs to go back. Blah blah blah. Anything you don't need, put it on him. We got him on the stretcher into a body bag, and then we had to get up, uh, still under fire, and run back down the battlefield to where I could find the sergeant major and the doctor, the MO, and leave him, and then get back on with the battle. And that was. These are the things which I had got rid of for years. I hadn't thought about it. And these are the things that he wanted me to talk about again. And it, I left her in bits, like fucking re-traumatized. And I'm like, is this how the MOD deal with people that fucking have issues? Mm. Or we care about mental health? So I had to talk about that, different things. Um, I made a decision one day out on out on a patrol. Uh, you may disagree with it. Uh, at the time, I thought it was the right thing to do. I was out on patrol. We, we kept getting IEDs every day. I like, got fucking sick of it. So we took, my between moved down and we took over a compound at the edge of the Sangam River, probably about line of sight, 300 metres to uh, Sangam DC. So I had line of sight from the roof. And we'd been going down each day and my guys at the front were, were obviously patrolling and, and checking the ground for ground sign. And there was one day in particular, uh, there was a lot of footprints had been cleaned. So the ground was all smooth and it, the atmospherics were wrong. You know what I mean? You were like, hmm. This is why we keep walking in and walking out. Why is it so smooth? And then we got a reading from the uh, the different types of equipment we carry. And at the same time, one of my guys went, there's someone over to the right. And I said, right, you three, move around there and see what that is. And then I heard this automatic gunfire. Uh, and then I uh, came back. He says, right, Speedy, uh, we've got a guy, uh, one time enemy forces uh, killed. And I went, is it enemy forces? No, you think, is it enemy forces? Or is it a shepherd? Is it a shepherd? And he went, yeah, it is. A, he's got a pretzel switch, like fucking salad tape, like taped his hand. I'm like, taking the piss. So I said, well, don't fucking touch it for stuck sake, right? So anyway, uh, I moved around, uh, got my guys to sort of uh, one of those man-made stretchers. I said, get, get his body in the stretcher. We can't just leave his body here because it's a fucking, it's a big insult to fucking Islam. You leave someone, it's going to be buried in 24 hours, all this different types of stuff. So we got him down and he's sitting there, the body's there. And I looked down at him and I could see his hip bone was all shot the fuck because Skillen hit him with GPMG <laughs> Skillen hit him with GPMG and I was like Jesus a GPMG it's a bloke anyway the guy was in bits and um, mm. I got on the net and spoke to the 3-3 uh, Arthur the star maker and I just remember Frank who I have a lot of respect for said to me um, Henny's a one zero Bravo switch to alternative means we had a little chat now we'd speak he, just, he said to me uh, the fuck have you done like one got a said, you can't bring him back here. I said, Well, we can't leave him here. He says, Well, you can't fucking bring him back. We've got Bill Needy here from ATN, fucking Radio One Roadshow, and fucking the Brigade Commanders here. If you bring him back here now, he'll be in the front page of every paper tomorrow. And I'm like, I said, Well, if I, don't, if I bring him back, I'm doomed. I said, If I leave him here, I'm doomed. What the fuck am I to do with this guy? He says, Well, he says, Think outside the box. <laughs> That's what he said to me. I'm like, Fuck, what do I do here? Think outside the box. So I just, I, at the time, I thought it was the right thing to do, Chris. I was, I could, I just said to my mate Dave, hey, who, uh, Dave, do me a favor, grab his legs. He said, What am I going to do? Fucking throw him in the river. He went, What? Listen, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. Grab him after three, boom. So I threw the body in the river. I wasn't thinking straight, Chris. I wasn't thinking straight, but I was like, What the fuck? Do? And then it clicked to me. Bodies float. So now I've got this fucking dead Taliban floating around the river. And I'm like, Oh, for fuck's sake. But uh, I went back. Anyway, and uh, got in and uh, went and seen Frankie, had a brief. He says, what'd you do? I said, I did this. He says, I never told you to do that. 
I said, you didn't really tell me what to do. You just left me to fucking think about this. You know, there's a lot going on out here. You know, I've got to say, the amount of reports to you, because know, we had found IEDs the day before. There's your IED report, your 9-liner, your MISTA, your fucking contact report. Fuck me, your shot rep. I mean, did you use the white card? Did you use the yellow card? Are you on 429? Was it 429? And there's so much shit going through your head that it's hard to sort of, you have to go with your decision. So I mean, okay, I made the decision. He went, fuck's sake. That night, I was chilling, Chris, uh, if you can, on my cot bed in my high school fucking bunker type thing. And I was lying there. And I could hear the biggest gun battle ever. I mean, you could hear the RPGs exploding and the gunfire and the GPMGs and the 50 cals. I'm like, fucking hell. So I gets up with my helmet on, my front armor, runs to the option. And I had to go down the steps and sang it. Went down the steps and, I, and I'm like, what's happening, sir? And Frankie turned and looked at me and he just went, what's fucking happening? You, you're what's happening. I'm like, fuck, what's got to do with me? I had the fool looking at me. Had the four, you had the food, the MFCs, everyone looking at me, just going. He, even the guy that puts up the UAV was looking at me, shaking his head. I'm like, the fuck, I'm hating. Frankie went, "What do you that body?" <laughs> I got rid of it. Well, further down the river, uh, there's a fucking dead Taliban stuck on wood. The locals are going mental, and the Taliban haven't stopped attacking us for an hour. In fact. The platoon that relieved you down there need an ammo replan. He says, and I'm not going. You are. <laughs> so actions have consequences. Jeez, Travis, it's, it's, fuck me. Mate, I, j- just for the record, I saw a bit of combat, if you, if you call it. I, I was in the Northern Ireland conflict, which is obviously yeah. more, more your, and it's quite funny, actually. Well, it's not, funny is not the right word, but, I think kinetic is the word that seems to be used a lot now. That yeah. that that year we we were there eighty nine, mm. and it was a particularly um, kinetic uh, uh, mm. uh, year. Um, so I'm not sure I'm going with this, but I just wanted to <laughs> point out I haven't seen uh, you know firefights to the extent you have. But when we're in in Belfast, it it was a particularly bloody year uh what i remember one day there was something ridiculous trevor it was like a hundred and so and so a hundred and something serious incidents so that meant uh, yeah. a, bo- a a bombing a sniping um other forms of shooting uh, uh, uh hijacking kidnapping uh buses set on fire mortar bombs go like the whole mm. shebang oh and i I put in for four two command because they were going to go straight to, um, you know, into active service. So when I left training, I thought, right, I'll, I'll go four two, please. And I and I got yeah. my I got my draft, which was just great. And I just thought, yeah, if I'm going to be a marine, I want to see some action. Yeah. During, during, I mean, you were a kid, aren't you? You know, you you're a you're a bloody very young 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 man. And, I work and- with the marines. Uh, I remember the the marines did a uh, relief in place with us uh, in two par- sorry in three para in 2006 when it came to Sangin. And I'm convinced the sometimes whenever you send out Iraqi party uh, months in advance to have a look at the area, they don't necessarily get it right. And I remember um, the Iraqi party that came, sorry, not Iraqi, the, the Marines that came to Sangin in 2006, they had a tough time because they arrived, as we know, no one likes to carry an LSW, they're shit. However, they arrived with their LSWs and their rifle stuff and they came and the, uh, it worked out good for uh, for Thiepar, though, because uh, 
the Marines were told to leave their GPMGs, uh, their heavy guns and their mortars, leave it in, leave it in Bastion because you're not going to be able to get that off the fucking choppers and run with that to your position. You'll get fucking hit. So they arrived uh, lightweight into Sanger. I remember standing in Sanger 4, tough, tough Sanger, under, in contact, actually. And he came up, the commander came up, he goes, okay, who's commander here? My guys were firing, we're in contact. I says, I am, come here, got down. I says, but as you do, you know what I mean? Here's the range car. We've got all this here. Uh, I didn't break, he's not an idiot, he knew what he was looking at. And I'm here, I've got the clackers, uh, I've got the clackers set up, one, two, three, four here. These are going to the, and I show him the range card. These go to these positions. So if there's enemy in these positions, hit them, it'll send. send. So I had, I had to show him, this was a, in the middle of a battle. And I says, here's your spur ammunition here. Here's the oil for the, everything, oil for the guns here. Sentries uh, took you to work out your stags. Uh, and he went, okay, guys, up you come. And his guys just moved in, took the GPMGs off the other guys and just carried on firing. That's what I call the best relief in place I've ever done in my life. The guy just, he, the guy just went, he shook my hand, gave me a fist pump. He goes, mate, good luck. Have fun home. And that was him now. That was him. And that was him now. Relief in place, in contact, day one. Mm. Incredible. Incredible. Yes. The, 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 the follow-up to what I was saying, Travis, we, uh, it's quite interesting. A lot of people go, oh, just Northern Ireland. And, and they really don't understand that. Well, it depends what your Northern Ireland tour was. Exactly. You know? I think um, it's possible to go to Afghanistan. And, and, and if you're a rear echelon, you're going to see fuck all in, yeah. in, in your sixth month. Or you, you, I know the Americans do uh, uh, a lot longer. Where, whereas within about, within this... Uh, um, time frame of, of it's like a week or something we'd been uh shot at uh i talk about this in 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 my book they are they are folks there's a plug for my book we'll, we'll, we'll plug trev's in a bit but you know we we were on patrol in the ardoin and and uh, uh, uh jock not not his real name but a one wonderful wonderful chap uh he got hit three times right one round took the aerial off his uh can we just say electronic equipment yeah uh what one round went through his weapon his se80 sling the other hit him smack in the chest not not even in the plate but just above it right and it spun him round like that and all his his equipment went flying and then the gunman uh, having hit him three times turned his sights on me and i'm looking at the 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 ground pinging up like it's a bloody wild west movie or something right yeah. uh, um uh jock thank heavens he lit he lived and he insisted on continuing the patrol when they were trying to get him in the ambulance he's like no royal marines don't get in ambulance it's right it was all we was all hyped on adrenaline it was it it, it was insane right and another time we were in the countryside and we got sniped at in in this field and me and Jock, we pepper potted up this hill. When we burst out onto the road, there was a car parked with just, you could just see its back lights in the hedge. And I was just all for charging it down because mm -hmm. the pound just whizzed past my face, right? Doesn't mean it was a, a, a soldier. It might have been someone hunting rabbits or something, right? For yeah, we, we, yeah. we, 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 you know, um, but I was just for like chasing this car down and, and obviously we've made ready. And, um, and Jock says, well, Chris, it could be a come on. 
you know, could be a car packed with explosive folks is what, yeah, was, yeah. you know, and he'd done a few tours. So in, in that hesitation, the car just drove away. And then 30 seconds later, the lights come in the other direction. I remember Trevor standing in the road, my SA80 cocked, safety catch off. I had at the windscreen of this car and I was almost like 90% convinced this is the same car, right? Yeah. And as the car come, it's suddenly the driver eyes like that skidded to a halt. And he's a fucking taxi, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, it happens. Man. It um, happens. Yeah. So I just, I just want to point out, you know, that was my experience. You know, we, we got mortared. We got, we, we had to, I remember when you got mortared, you grab your flat jacket, you put it on and you crawled under your bed. That's all you could do. Right. They actually, yeah. they actually knocked a kid off his bicycle with these homemade mortars, right? Um, uh, the our unit up on top of the, uh, is it the Divis flat? Uh, no, New Lodge flats. They were in there with uh, um, some SAS, uh, um, you know, observe the SAS were doing their thing, you know, observe oh. people. And and the, um, uh, so, uh, the IRA soldiers come out on the street pointing up this machine gun, like, like our GPMG type of thing, um, and they just started opening up from the street to the to the Sanger on top of the flats. Um, my mate was in there at the time. He said, Chris, we hit the deck. He said, I'm on the radio going, contact, you know, uh, wait out. He said, the SAS just were like, kick, kick the window open, got their uh, armor, is it armor light? Or MC, and they, they were just... <laughs> just... So... Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, one man's tour is not another man's tour, you know, and yeah, and and and, exactly, and, and yeah. who gives a shit anyway? You know, the main thing is to come home safe and 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 a quiet tour, especially if you've got bloody kids and stuff. That's the yeah. they're the best ones, aren't they? You know, they're the best ones. But uh, can can you explain uh, for our for our friends watching, Trev? Then your your unit, who 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 did? Because you talk about the paras a lot. Yeah, were you the first battalion? I was in. Um, I joined up the first battalion, in the Royal Irish Regiment, and while I was in that unit, I had the opportunity to go and work with uh, two para on some of their kinetic tours and three para on their kinetic tours, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, worked with different units. I then went the uh, went the Chick Sands for a while, and then I went uh, on my my last tour of Afghanistan was two thousand twelve, where I was part of the intelligence exploitation force. So my job was to go out and go and collect people from the ground and bring them back in for exploitation. Uh, Taliban, Al- Al-Qaeda and commander things. It was That was quite an intense tour, if I'm honest. Uh, just to bring these guys in and see the mentality of them. I sat, I used to sit down with them. Uh, they would have shuras in where they were being detained. And I would go and I would sit down with them and I, I would chat with them. And uh, one of them, uh, uh, I can now say it, uh, Mohammed Noor, uh, he was the um, he was a commanding officer of Upper Grace Valley, and I sat down with him. Uh, UKT can't remember his name. Uh, I think it was a nine one six one was his detainee number. And I sat down with him one day, and I seen him. And he, I'm going to be honest, I looked at him, and he, uh, his hair was jet black, jet black beard, perfectly manicured, nails, not a bit of dirt in them. Everything was manicured. And I sat down with him one day, and I was like, "Okay, this is a." What makes you want to fight against the British? He says, well, this is our country and you've came here. I says, um, 
I noticed though that when, whenever the guys are fighting with you on the ground, it's, it's very hard to find bodies of Taliban. You know, there's blood trails very hard. He says, and he, he sat on me, he says, because we do casualty evacuation. And I was like, what? Yeah, we do, but you do. I went to Sandhurst. And I went, what? You went to Sandhurst? He says, yes, many years ago. Uh, I was Mujahideen. And uh, whenever uh, the British wanted our help, uh, we came to Sandhurst. And uh, they quite a few of us were trained up in Sandhurst. So now, now we're Taliban and uh, we know all your tactics. We've trained in Sandhurst. We know all your... And then he starts saying to me, we know the orders process. And I'm like, what? No wonder we struggle against these guys. We teach them everything we know, and then we have to go and fight them. So, uh, I, yeah, I listened to him, and uh, his English was perfect. I mean, his English was perfect. And, yeah, he told me that uh, he'd been to all the shots, shopping and things and all different things. He started telling me all about the different ways. He said he loved it. He said, I love my time in Sandhurst. He says, not, not very tough, though, is it? I'm like, okay, well, I've never done Sandhurst, so I wouldn't know. But uh, these are the type of guys I used to get fascinated with because they would tell me about how they trained using our tactics and how we trained them up and how some uh, we sent a train before Afghanistan kicked off. We had already sent a training force out there to help teach these guys. And uh, we trained the Talib, we trained the Mujahideen to defeat Al Qaeda and different things. And then the Mujahideen obviously is the Taliban. So now we've they know all our tactics. And it's it's one reason why I used to struggle with sitting down after having a chat with these guys. And I'd sit down, I'd have a bit of like thought process. Thing. And then I would have a, a chat with one of my bosses and go, do you know this? And they would go, blah, blah. And I said, but does it make sense? And I didn't I, I didn't understand. I, I still can't get my head around it. In other words, for instance, um, and I've seen this, because I, I would go and collect, uh, uh, say, uh, an HV, a high-value target off the battlefield, put them in the Chinook, come back. Uh, some of the Hereford guys used to hate it because um, when I went out to get them, I would go, who detained this guy? And they would go, oh, I did. And I'd go, well, you're coming with me. What? You're coming with me? You're the guy. And the Hereford guys didn't like it. Um, the, the guys out there, they thought, what the fuck? We're in the middle of a an, a mission here, an operation. And I went, yes, well, you've detained this guy. You've got to come back and fill in the paper. This is your guy, not mine. I'm going to take him off you, but... And then they used, to, they used to get pissed off because they'd have to come back and go through it. And then we would fly them straight back out again. But uh, it's it's how the UK law works. Rather than just rather than just our government go, okay, sorry, mate, uh, is this your guy? Yep, just sign here, pass him over to me. Yep, I'm off. And let him go back to doing kicking doors in and fucking red dotting people. The fact is, the way the, the, the law worked, they had to come back. And it used to be frustrating to them and to us. And it used to get quite upset. But uh, some of the guys would come back and we would, uh, the, the way the UK law works is uh, the minute you detain someone on the ground, you, you've got four hours. The clock starts ticking. You've got four hours to bring them back. You've got to see a doctor or else it breaks the law. So I used to teach the guys, uh, I would go down, I've been, I've been down the, the, the pool and I go down and see, see the SB boys and stuff and say, listen, guys, I've got to give you a brief today on this, uh, but I'm not here to give you the brief. What do you need to know? You want to know how to... Do your job and spend maximum time on the ground. You want to come back. So I would suggest that if you need to get questions from people in QT, I need to question people and get and get their answers there and then. Do not ask kids or do not ask anyone in Afghanistan how old they are. Because if they start off, if that's your first question and you say, uh, and they say, I'm 16, 15, even though they've got beards, by law, you can't question them. So I would say don't ask them the raise, don't ask them anything. 
get all the information you need from these evil fuckers. And then at the very end of it, when you're in the chopper flying them back, then detain them. Because the minute the chopper lands, the four hours only start there. So never, ever detain someone on the ground. And that I, I know it's, it's, I'm not trying to teach people to break the law. I was trying to teach people to sort of expand it a little bit for their own. So our soldiers, our guys had the best time. And I used to do that quite a lot. And I used, I used to get shared up by my bosses. You can't tell them that. I know, but we would do that. So, so special forces guys do not need bullshit. They don't want, oh, we're here to uh, provide security for the Afghan government. They don't give a fuck why they're there. They're there to go out and remove evil people off the ground and bring them back. And you need to assist them. And I used to get told off for doing that quite a lot, but I enjoyed it. It was a tough time. It's always been a tough time for any soldiers to deploy to Afghanistan. It is kinetic from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. Um, I've seen lots of friends die in the battlefield, picking up body parts. Um, you know, we have to remember that we had 457 British deaths. Yeah. Uh, we've got over 7,000 amputees in the UK, 26,000 casualties. Uh, it, it just reminded me then, um, well, a couple of things. I remember going out on patrol with the SAS in Belfast. We had a, a couple of troopers attached to our brick. So instead of four of us, there were there were six. And they, they scrounged a couple of berries so that they would... This is before we we, we actually uh, got told to have to wear helmets in the end. And it was because the unit before us had put so many bloody claims in for head injuries from being bricked that yeah. the, 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 the MOD changed their policy. So we couldn't. We, we wore our green lids for about two months and then we all had to wear helmets. But anyway, at this, this point, the, these two SES lads borrow, borrowed a couple of green lids. So, so that, the, and I remember we went past this uh, garden or this house. And I remember looking at the garden, there was a garden, garden shed. And, uh, and then when I look back again, these, these boys had just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> they, I just remember thinking, fucking brave man, you know, They'd obviously hopped in the garden shed and they was going to, you know, hang out there for, I don't know, three days shitting in plastic bags and, and, and incredibly, you know, uh, 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 brave. But the other thing was, I remember on my first day, I, I had this photographic memory, Trev, right? You know, when you briefing room, you got all the pictures of the players yeah. up on a, up on a wall. I could just look at it, you know, just, look at the picture and then it was in my mind it was the in montages, my mind yeah and um when i seen a car driving down the street i could just look through the windscreen and i'd be like don't want to say his name but smudge that one and every time they stopped and it turned out to be this this um yeah this player but on the first day there we we we, we uh we we stopped a player folks ira soldier right uh, we we stopped this guy in. I think it's the um, oh, doesn't really matter, does it? It was actually we started off with M Com M Company, my my little my little troop. Um, and this guy walked down the street, and it was like, fuck me, he's IRA. That's you know just does his picture in the briefing room. Even before I think we left the UK, you you'd become familiar with these faces already yeah. you know these sheets that they, they they gave you in fact there was some controversy because it turned out one of the british forces was sending them to the uva so that you know the loyalists yeah which is anyway um but i stopped this guy and that was quite hard we, we had someone in my team just wouldn't stop people i'll be like that guy there that guy there 
yeah. and he just stand there and let the bloke and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. It just, you know, it, I, I was just all, I'm just always all in, Trev, you know. If there's a job yeah. to be done, it's just fucking get stuck in. And But I remember chatting to this guy uh, this guy in um, uh, White Rock. That was, that was M Company's patch. And uh, and I got my notebook out. <laughs> I'm there, I'm, nine, I'm 19 years old. <laughs> I got me no- and I was so, where are you going today? <laughs> And I remember Jock, who'd done all these tours, went, Chris, put the fucking notebook away, mate. Just, just, you know, just, just chat. I remember those. <laughs> just, just chat. And and I'm like, all oh, right, I get it. Or I get it. And from then on, it was like, you know, I don't know. Seamus, how you doing, mate? Yeah, okay, yeah. What are you off to today? Oh, just going down, you know, going down to bookies. Oh, okay. Are you, uh, any, any, you know anything about that? thing that went boom the other night no no i don't know okay all right mate have a good day and do you know what i mean it was a much better it, yeah. it made you look much more professional than having your little notebook going right how old are you i know what what size are you six foot <laughs> no, yeah not, I know. Not, not, yes my god you've been in the thick of it it's it seems i've made loads of mistakes don't get me wrong i i i learned from a lot of mistakes um i used to <sighs> Well, as we all did, I keep saying used to. Obviously, before going on patrol, you go to the NCL, you get an in-brief. What are the threats? What's this? What's that? I was out on a patrol one night. Uh, it was meant to be an op um, with it was Steve Power, C Company Steve Power. We were out we were out in the vehicles. Uh, we had uh, the Estonians attached to us, actually. And um, we were out. I remember my boss, uh, Sean Kelly, saying, OK, guys, uh, he took the three commanders. He went, uh, Dave, I want you... Uh, I want you to go up there, secure that area, that, those arcs. Rob, you're here. Speedy, I want you here. And as he was giving us a brief, there was a, a motorbike. No, the old motorbikes were just one big round fucking light. They felt like Yamaha's. This motorbike came over the, just came over the fur to this hill. Uh, the light, was, it lit us all up. And I was like, the fuck? And then it revved its engine. And I'm like, this is weird. It's like dusk sort of time. And then it started coming down the road slowly. And it, we sort of moved apart. And I remember shooting a dress, which is stop and Lasuna Porter hands up and stuff. Uh, the little bits of words that we knew. Uh, and uh, it sped up and started coming down the hill towards us. So I remember stepping off to the left and firing a few rounds at the center mass of this, this guy. But at the same time, the other two commanders had done exactly the same. So this guy had three sets of about, I don't know, probably 12 rounds altogether, hit them in the center chest. And he came off the bike and he lay there and he was all twisted. I remember coming out of cover and going, fuck, straight away our mission's been compromised. I'm like, fuck's sake. And I remember moving forward and Sean went, is he dead? Is he dead? And I moved forward. I knelt down beside this guy, put my two fingers on his throat, checked him. I went, he's dead. And then uh, I was like, fuck's sake. And then Dean Kurgan, <laughs> Dean Kurgan, he was the acting sergeant major. And then he goes, right, fuck's sake. Has anyone got, Speedy, have you got a body bag? I did have one, Chris, but I didn't want to give it away because they were like fucking rocking horse shit. And I was like, no, mate, I don't. And he asked the other commanders, and they knew I had one, and they were like, no. He went, there's none of you carrying a fucking body bag. And then um, he asked his own guys. See, see, he didn't ask his own guys first. He wanted us to use ours, you know what I mean? And they're for us. Let's be They're for my guys. And I'm like, no. So then he says, right, fuck's it. Then we got bin bags. And somebody says bin bags. And I was like, fucking hell. So they got the bin bags out. They, they double bagged the bin bags. And Dean went over to this body, lifted it up, threw it on top of the snatch bonnet. He went, fuck me, it's only a kid. It's only a fucking kid. So Dean 
bent the body in half, put it in the bin bags. That's fucking true. And he went, right, abort mission. So we had to go back. To, we were in Goresh at the time, in Goresh, full price. So we threw it in the back of the vehicle. And so the body's now in the back of the vehicle. I can't remember it. I think it's a Fox vehicle, F-U-C-H-S. It's a Estonian one with the hatches. So the Estonians, as we were driving back, it looked like the front, it looked like the front of like a BTR 60 or P, you know, like chisel nose type one. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, okay. Yeah. So um, I, he says, right, uh, Speedy, get in the back of the wagon. Uh, I'm okay. So I got in the back of, rather than go back in the back of the snatch, we got to use the Estonian wagons going back to camp. And I got in the back of the uh, Estonian wagon. And he says, right, uh, do you want to do top cover in the back of it? So I'm in the back of this little fucking hatch and I'm standing up. Don't hate me for this, but it was minus. It was fucking minus, Chris. And I was freezing. So I took my boots off and I put my feet in the bin bag with a warm body to keep my feet warm the whole way back to camp. You've got to do what you've got to do, mate. <laughs> survival the fittest. <laughs> oh, mate, that's... That's, you know, plenty of stories like that over the years, isn't there? There's, yeah. um, you know, what are you going to use for cover if rounds are coming in and all you've got is bodies around? Yeah, it's it's yeah. Um, yeah. it's um it, it's insane, Trev, isn't it? You know, we, we're just chatting about this. But, I mean, how many people go about their daily job carrying a bloody body bag? Careers, uh, isn't it? Yeah. And yet you're supposed to put all that stuff behind you the day you leave the forces and then go and, you know, start your carpentry course or or work in IT or something with people well, yeah. that the most um, the most like dramatic thing that they've ever done is I don't know someone got pissed at their barbecue. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, friend. I'm not trying yeah. to be rude, but it it's it's mad. It's, it, it, it's a mad life, especially what you guys experienced. That's I got. I haven't even spoke to you about my most horrific thing, which is what sticks to me. I've had it every day. But um, I was between sergeant two thousand eight. Uh, whenever we lost uh, Mark Williams, W two Mark Williams, great, great, great guy, and we had a few had a, a couple of terrible things. Um, I remember one patrol I was out, and I argued about. I I still I still stand by this hundred percent, and I'll I'll argue this point to any colonel and any brigadier and. This tactical thought process we have doesn't work. Pitch black at night time and you're centered on a patrol and singing. And I should say, why? Why? Because we need to dominate the ground. No, we don't. We've got UAV for that. We've got unmanned things for that. Green eyes, all these different technologies we can use. That. Why would you send out grown men to walk pitch black around singing who need head torches to walk slow as fuck to look at the ground in case they blow up? Because all you're doing is sending guys out with lights lit up for Taliban snipers to shoot them and kill them. And I hated it. And I hated telling my guys to do it. I didn't want to do it. Didn't make sense. And I didn't understand the thought process behind it, other than the fact that different OCs from different units, for instance, three-part OC, oh, we did 204 patrols in six months. Then 4-2 commander OC going, oh, well, we did 444. And then the next unit going, we did 460. It, was, it became competitive. So competitive that OCs were getting DSOs. It's so competitive for those individuals that it was putting the troops' lives in, in, in danger by having to by having to tick their boxes. And I hated it. And I questioned it one day. I questioned it to the OC, Paddy Blur, who got the DSO. He said, I want you to go out. Uh, you're going to leave here at 1800 hours. And I'd go, pitch black? He went, yep. I said, what for, sir? To go into patrol. I said, but then my guys have to wear head torches and, and oh, you'll be fine. I said, do you want to come with us? 
uh, what? I said, do you want to come with us? He went, um, uh, why would you say that? I said, because it's, it's very dangerous. And then some of the guys went, oi, don't fucking question the boss. Blah. And I'm like, so I headed out and I was like, um, we patrolled out for about 200 meters and I came across a compound that was empty. I said, right guys, in here, secure it, search it. We're staying here till first light and then we'll finish the rest of our patrol. And I thought that was the most common. And all the platoons started doing that. But uh, there was one in particular that we went out, we did that. We moved around the ground. I think, uh, Dave and his dog trio found about, I think they found four IEDs and we had to get those recovered, mark them and move around them. And the dog was wrecked. Our dog was wrecked. It had been out for so many hours. We came at breaks. And as we were on the way in, I remember being in between Sorn at the back and I just seen this black puff of smoke. And my heart sank. I was like, fuck. And then I heard the scream and I was like, fuck. And I ran to the front. Uh, some of my guys were shell shocked. I mean, and, uh, some guy, um, I looked down and see my interpreter land beside there. He had lost all his fingers and his nose had been blown off. And he was screaming. And my initial reaction was, he's okay. He's fucking breathing. He's screaming. He's not the priority. So just get him a medic. Then I looked down. I seen my radio operator, Justin. I looked down at him and I just went white. I mean, he'd lost his legs and arms. And I was just, fuck me. I called up the medic. I was just stunned. It's just, it just shocked me. I just, I couldn't believe it. And she went to work on him. Uh, I called on the net. I, I got people out to help. I needed so much. I, need, I needed our assets up. I needed QRF. I needed fucking, I, it was just so much shit going on. And I just looked down and I was just stunned. And I could see a few other guys. My, my new boss, who'd been only been my new Toon Commander, he'd only been out in theatre about four days, was just pure white. And I was like, calm down, calm down. And then I secured the area. And I just remember looking down and going, wow. Uh, I don't know why I thought this at the time, but I got one of my guys across that was stunned. I went, Raymond, see your metal detector? I won't mention the equipment. Uh, I want you to check around here. And he went, what for? And I don't know why I did this, Chris. It just stuff kicks in. I went, I want this wedding ring. I want to be able to give his wife his wedding ring. Just see if you can find it for me, please. And my priority, mm. I knew he was dead, clearly, but my priority became the wedding ring. I don't know why I thought that. It just the stuff that started going through. And then I had to send a, an ID report, a nine-liner. I had to send a missed report, a contact report, a QRF. I wanted air cover. I want a top. I mean, the list of shit that goes through your head. And I remember just my boss coming out, Frankie, going, fucking hell mate uh, I went because I'd done so well up to that stage and I took that as a personal hit because you know if you don't bring back your men yeah but mate the, 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 no one thing it still gets me <laughs> one thing it's you know there's yeah it's uh it, it's a different ground and it yeah I mean you, you you just can't you know I think every commander on the ground is feels personally responsible but the we all we all put our hands up to volunteer, didn't we? You know, yeah. no, no, yeah. nobody, nobody forced us. We all knew that that could have been us, and we yeah. still, we still, we wouldn't have done anything different. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel for you, mate. Are you, are you like okay with all of this, Trev? It's, it's, it's I was fucking um, extreme. I was okay, if I'm honest. Uh, I, I got, I, I'd done loads of things to get all this shit out my head. And then about three weeks, three weeks ago, told you that the, the MOD sent for me and I had to sit in front of an assessor who questioned all the different things I've been involved in. And, and he fucking re-traumatized me. And I had to I had to go back into therapy there about, about, about two and a half weeks ago. And, and these questions he's asking you, it's all on record, is it not? Yeah. He don't, he don't need to be interrogating you about that. 
It felt like an interrogation, if I'm honest. I came out of there and I was in bits. Uh, I came out of the King's College, walked out. Union Jack Club's on the left. I came out of King's College. I took a right, walked up the street. Mm-hmm. I was still trying to get my thoughts together, uh, my emotions. I had been crammed because, I mean, the amount of stuff he wanted me to talk about. I walked up and was heading to London, Liverpool Street. Uh, I got to London, Liverpool Street. I had to get the train up to Ipswich. I came out of Ipswich. Um, the train going from Ipswich to Woodbridge wasn't for about three hours. I, I said, what the fuck am I doing? Went out to get a taxi. I got money at the machine. I couldn't remember where I put my cash card, Chris. Uh, I couldn't remember. And then I got in a taxi and he says, where are you going? I told him, he went, I'm not going that way. And I was like, what do you mean you're not going that fucking way? You're going the way I'm fucking paying you to go. What do you mean you're not going that way? Fucking reminds me of Belfast in the 80s. Oh, I'm not going that way. I was like, fuck me. And then I got out. I was confused. I sat down. I just waited in the train station for two, about an hour, two and a half hours for the train. And then I couldn't find my wallet. I had to go and cancel my bank cards and stuff. My head was up my ass for about two or three days after that. And then uh, when I came home, my ex-wife, God help her, said, uh, have you, uh, she came in, she says, how'd it go? And I spoke to her about it. She looked at me and she went, I'll take Sebastian for a couple of days to give you a break. I mean, but I don't, I didn't want him to go. You know, I need someone about, I needed someone around me. But she mm. took me away and it just left me sitting in my flat by myself. I just sat and cried. I, was, I had the phone up. And says, listen, I need help again. Uh, my therapist was fuming. She went, he's re-traumatized you. After all that hard work we've done over the years, he's re-traumatized you. Mm. So it's not good. Uh, and and that's one of the reasons why, Chris, I am... Um, well, I'm annoyed about the demonetization on YouTube because my members were... were each month, I was, I was able to raise £750 to pay for someone's therapy. So I was using my membership for that and... Uh, that's now all been stopped the last two months. So, mm. yeah. Can I just jump in here, mate, and just just say something for all of us veterans? I got this thing right. It's not rocket science, but in life, you're either a person that pushes someone to suicide, or you're a person that pulls them away. It's that fucking simple. There's no middle ground. You're either at behaving like a idiot and you shouldn't be because we're all brothers and sisters at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, or you're that wonderful person that takes the time to pick up the phone or just drop a little message to say, Trev, you know, you know, just, 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 and like, we've got to learn from this friends. You know, we've, got to learn from this i've had situations and i i'm 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 quite bad mate i'm i'm i i'm an enlightened individual so i i i what i tune into is different from what most people tune into right uh, and and it and it fucking works folks and you know it just it 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 just does but so i can bear a lot of shit not but it does get to a point where fucking hell well, Chris, Jesus watch fucking you, Christ, but but just just my, my point is, Trev, right? I had a message the other day. Apparently, I'm I'm being investigated by the Walter Mitty Club. <laughs> fucking no, I, I don't, I don't, Chris. I, 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 but 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 here's the thing, right? We watch you though. We wa- I watch your podcast. We watch you, and our, first of all. Congratulations on getting uh, Inspirational Veteran of the Year and the Veterans Awards. So there you go. So people watch you. People watch you because you do things, right? Thank and, you, mate. And, Thank you. And, and reference your Walter Hitty thing, your Walter Hitty thing. I'm going to be honest with you right now. 
I was called out for being a Walter Mitty because I didn't wear an AMC. I was never in Afghanistan. I wasn't the first in sang and I wasn't. I get called. Walter Mitty, uh, they have good intentions, but they get it wrong quite a lot of the time. Hey, this is laughable. We all we all laugh about it on my channel. But I just, Matt Lowe, come after me. I've had it a few times, right? And what it is, is these people that, these people, sorry, uh, but like, if you've any doubts about me, you've only got to do one thing. Type my fucking name into a search engine. <laughs> I'm not going to say the search engine, but you know, there's one begins yeah. with G, right? Yeah. Click images and all of your, you know, just immediate, you're going to see me like, for example, in my blues. You're going to see me in 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 the Northern Ireland conflict. You're going to see me running a thousand miles uh, for for um, you know mentally unwell veterans. You're going to see me doing a quadruple Ironman with no training. Well, eight weeks for my veterans, my brothers, my sisters. You know, you're going to see me doing all probably a load of stupid shit as well right you're gonna see me photos me and my me and my buddies when we served on ship which was just incredible. but instead of doing that people go straight in and 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 call you out and and here's my point right i don't give a shit i literally I, I, it, it, it's i don't wear my medal there's there's the whole whole reason but behind that i'm not even going to explain it i'm i, I would have thought most rational thinking adults could like work that one out but but yeah. but but anyway but my point is when i got mr matlow there right supposed to be my brother he's calling out someone that has made it clear because i've written one they'll be up there folks two three memoirs about my trauma my experience from chronic drug dr drug addiction which just nearly killed me and made, made me mentally so mentally unwell the doctors told my family i'd probably be in a home for the, like you know a mental health facility for the rest of yeah. my life etc etc and it's like fucking fellas and falasses but it's predominantly you fucking switch on stop attacking people who you know have had trauma you know it because what are they going to do they're going to fucking hang himself in their kid's bedroom recently well i won't say any names but fucking hell my mate i think he had four kids he was one of my biggest supporters right a really really lovely lovely chap we used to have all you know conversations and and and, and just always like just and and from a raw marines um sergeant major that was a very nice thing for me trev you know He's a serving sergeant major that just loves everything that I do, right? You know, fucking killed himself. And ask yourself the question, people, which one are you? Which one are you? You can't be both. Do you push people to suicide or do you pull them away? It's a very simple question. Are you full of love, kindness, peace, empathy? You support the brotherhood and the sisterhood, the military family. You understand that, of course, there's going to be differences along the way because we're all different, you know, but ultimately we took that oath to support each other, you know, or are you this, this person that's so bitterly entwined with your identity that you have to be seen as like, I served with this and how like this person here might, I mean, Jesus Christ, I had a fight in a pub with a guy at a funeral, my mate's funeral. 
and it's because I had this uh, joint forces badge. I can't even remember what it is. It's like one of the one of those pins that that. And someone yeah. gave someone gave it to me, Trev. Right? Someone at one event come up to me and Chris Ego, little present. And I, oh, thank you. It was like a, a I can't remember if it was like navy or what, but it was fucking some minute. And I so for the funeral, I put it on there. It's a nice little thing. And some guy come up to me and he went, "Where'd you get that?" I was like. Uh, Trev, I couldn't remember. Hmm. But imagine if I was a, a severely traumatized veteran who's come from combat that's got half my fucking memory miss it. Or, uh, you know, uh, 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 and I went, uh, 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 and in that hesitation, you could see the cogs working in his mind. He's thinking, Walter Mitty, because I didn't have an immediate explanation why I've got this lapel pin. He'd immediately, Shocking. and this is a Royal Marines commando, right? It's just shocking who who cares if i'm a water just let me let me be a water me does does it bother you how do i affect your life how do i take money away from you and your kit why are you bothered why are you so so bob and 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 he come he went who's your your troop stripey in training right this is just a another fucking cliche fucking load of shit that they come out with right these these upset people i mean not not i don't mean rule mm. marines um and and well here's the thing trev right we had two stripies in training right um, um i won't even say their names but we, uh, our, our stripey left to go 14 in which is now is it the sri or something sr yeah something? yeah, yeah, SRI. yeah. yeah yep. he, he he left in the middle of our training and he was a nice he was a really nice guy and we had another uh and in that moment, again, I I, I couldn't I couldn't recall the uh, I knew one name, but I couldn't recall. So I went, uh, 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 which one? And of course, to him on his little water meaty hunt, that that oh, that. And the next thing, he just fucking launched into me. This is at my mate's funeral, right? And we're fighting in the bar, and people had to pull us apart. I, mean, I was just defending myself. I wasn't going to you know and i remember cool. as, as as i moved away i saw him go up to one of uh, the uh, uh, one of the old and bold just a legend in the core and i saw him go yeah that guy there is a water and the guy just went that's chris thrall <laughs> and and you know i served with him in norway back in back in 1990 <laughs> ah, so it's just stupid stupidity you know, these fucking idiots don't have the intelligence just to go on Google and just type your fucking name in. That's all, yeah. all of that shit put to rest. But instead, they're willing to come out, Trev, and, and have you hanging in your fucking garage. You know? I know. It's, it's a sad just scenery. insane. Yeah. Well, that's why I've sort of stepped away. I, I used to raise a lot of money for, for different things. Now I don't. I refuse to do it. Uh, what I will do is I will share someone's GoFundMe. I will share someone's links, but I won't do it myself. It stops the fingers pointing, and it just keeps you mentally in charge. Yes, that you've had sort of quite some experience with this charity. Um, mm. I'll I'll put my hand up and say my experience has always been good. When when I was mentally unwell and i'd rec- i i, re- I self recovered trevor didn't go to any doctors no nurses no no support groups no nothing right yeah but i wandered into the uh uh the royal british legion 
which had a little little club um, in a place called uh, Crown Hill in Plymouth. And I had this old boy Marine, and it was just like coming home, mate. You know, it was like yeah. coming home. He just sat me down, and he just what's this? He asked me, and it was just like being with a big brother, you know. And, and they got they got me, um, I think twelve hundred quid between them some sailors fund i believe it's called in Safa. they got me 1200 quid i went away to norway i studied to become a volunteer worker uh so i could go and work with street kids in in mozambique and my life was it just it just helped me become the old person that i was just in yeah. one in one day like that i i hit the ground there in norway and i was just you know, I used all my Royal Marine skills to help all the other students. Uh, I, I I put them all through the endurance course, right? I went out street fundraising for the kids in Africa, and I just said, "People, right, this we're going to smash this," you know. And we built, we beat all the records of this organization in 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 history just by leading a, you know, positive outlook, lead the charge, da 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 da, and and another time. Um, Safa really helped us out with our roof. The, the roof of our house just started leaking. And it was at a time in my life where I just didn't have any money, Trev. I, I huh. literally, I, 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 I couldn't, I, I didn't have four fucking grand. Well, it, most people don't, I think, you know. And Safa that, helped me out, man. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago when my mental health dropped, um, my marriage fell apart as well that whole weekend. And I was, I ended up homeless and uh, I was living in a van for a while. I didn't ask any of my friends, didn't didn't want to. But a girl that I know called Shell Turner, who works for Santa as a volunteer, just picked up the phone and said, Trev, go to the Premier Inn in, in Phoenix, though. Uh, they've got a room for you. And Safa paid for, for a month I was living in the Premier Inn. There was no, it was COVID, so there was no food. But uh, they put a roof over my head. So, you know, I, I yeah. I understand how charities work and I understand how good ones do good stuff. Um, I just get annoyed the fact that um, I get annoyed at veterans pages and veterans things because everyone says, tells you what to do, but nobody actually will show you how to do it. So, yeah. But yeah, I understand that they, they've done good things. I just think that there's too much money not being used when it should be getting utilized properly, Chris. That's just my, my issue with it all. Yeah. I mean, they must make a lot of money, some of these organizations. But on the other side of the fence, and and I've 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 had lots of experience with charity organisations, Trev. You know, when I worked in Africa, mm. I was working for uh, uh, like an NGO sort of thing, and and yeah. the fucking corruption is just it's ridiculous. That all these things start off as, with good intention. Yeah. They start off with some good old people that want to do some good, and as soon as the money starts, cut whoa, it, it, it power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Is it with you know Lord Acton, right? And and it and it bloody does. Um, I found out this organization I was working in Africa for that the owner of it like lived in the Virgin Islands or somewhere, right? And they they'd really cleverly configured a very clever scam. All the money in this project was they were just reinvesting it for their own private in interest, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not suggesting this folks about a, a, a miniature challenge not at all but what I am suggesting is the war has become money don't they when money's involved yeah exactly yeah 
hundred percent. Yeah, not sure we got on the subject of charities, but <laughs> why not? Veterans, veterans helping each other and, and mm. yeah, char- and charities. But yeah, I, I get it. I do get it. Uh, I've been bitten though quite a few times with with uh, doing trying to do good. Um, I used to raise uh, tens of thousands of pounds, and I would whenever someone. This is what I did. I had my first end of page on Facebook, which I don't use now, but. People would donate money to me. I would screenshot it and put it on the page. I would show this is what's happening, transparency. People would donate money. Then I'd get requests coming in saying, Trevor, I need help. And I'd go, can you prove it? I get, and they, I was speaking directly to people. Trevor, I need help with this. Okay, show me your bill. Show, so send me a screenshot of the bill. I would transfer the money straight into the account. I would screenshot. I wouldn't put it at the bank account numbers. I would screenshot it and put it on my page. This guy needed 800. He's got 800. Uh, veterans, um, Veterans Outreach in, in Hereford, uh, the guy who is now has hundreds of thousands of followers. He does a coffee thing, whatever it is. But um, H, HRK, something, HR, HHRK, whatever that is. Trevor, I need help with this. So I raised, uh, I think I give them £750 to buy uh, some sort of machine that veterans could use, fitness machines, right? I did that. Mm. Then there was the shoulders up the street. I gave them £1,000 and help a squatty, I give them 800 pounds and helping homeless veterans. And so I, I, I was raising money and I gave it to everyone, but it used to piss off certain veterans groups on Facebook who then accused me of being a fraud and a thief and this. And then the rumors started within their group, which I was blocked from being a member of. I was the biggest thief there was. And then I started getting allegations of theft and fraud and corruption. This line is on pockets, doing this and doing that. So I stopped doing it, man. I just, what's the fucking point? What's the point of trying to do something good? I was trying to beat the system where people were saying, I've, well, I've, I'm waiting two weeks. I've asked, I've asked the RBL or I've asked SAFA, and I tried to put this thing together, which was nice. And I think altogether, it's, on my Just Giving page, I think it says about 40 or 50 grand in there. So I got accused of having 40 or 50 grand in my bank account. But they didn't just report me. They reported me to Suffolk Fraud Police. And I was like, fuck's sake, really? So I got a call from Suffolk Police going, oh, Mr. Colt, um, you've been accused of this, blah, blah, blah. And I went, okay. And they had to tell me. They told me over the phone who it was. It was such and such. I went, he's a fucking veteran. Why would he report me for this? Well, he's accused you of all these things. Uh, do you think, could we ask you to come in for a voluntary interview? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. When? And I went, well, um, I think I said about four days time. I had things doing. So I went down to Suffolk Police, went in there. And they said, it's voluntary. It's voluntary. But you go through the door and it locks. So it's voluntary, but you can't leave. Know what I mean? So I had to sit in there, and uh, I couldn't afford a big solicitor. So I had I asked for the duty solicitor, and I had to sit sit there for about I think it was about four hours, and he went through all these different things, and I was like, okay, and I went, and I had worked it out because I had four days to work out where my money went before I went down, and had it all down just giving blah blah blah, and I was I'm going to be honest, I couldn't account for about fifteen hundred quid. I explain why in a minute. Fucking idiot, I couldn't I couldn't account for about fifteen hundred quid out of fifty grand or something, and I was like, what the fuck. So I, I went into it all. Uh, where did this go? Oh, that went to the CEO, uh, Billy McLeod, at uh, Veterans in Action in, in Andover. Where did this go? Oh, that went to uh, Danny Greeno, the Veterans Charity. Where did this go? And I had to name all these different charities, where it went to, and different families I'd helped out. And it took a year investigation because then the police have to contact the police in all those different areas to do their investigation. And I was like, I can't find 1,500 quid. So I, I was... It got to the stage where I was I, I was going to take out a bank on fifteen hundred quid just to pick, just to say this is where that money is. So I couldn't remember it. Then one day I was sitting down with my ex-wife and she went, "But they're just giving, not take money." 
Fucking just giving fees, wasn't it? Just giving fees. Mate, I get it. First of all, there's this misconception that anyone that does stuff in a public eye, whether it's YouTube or whatever, that we're all millionaires and that yeah. we all and we're always trying to scam people. You know, I ask people to go to our locals platform, but the main reason is that we can talk freely. Yeah, um, it's five bucks a month if you want to pay. You don't have to pay that, right? You can still access all the con. Well, well pretty much most of our content, right? But but we got such good people out there, you know. There's so I've, I've made so many friends um, that, that just want to support us talking the truth on a podcast, you know, because yeah. we're in a world where no one talks the truth now. They're all under the thumb, or they're just naive and they don't get it. Or, 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 or yeah, um, I didn't like to travel around. I hated being with people I didn't know. I hated having to travel with people. My PTSD used to kick in and I just went, stop. So I used to go down to London quite a lot just to do things, but I had a focus. But I do things for a focus on veterans. But when it comes to self, I just I just say, can we bother with it? So I just stopped doing it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just stopped doing that. I just didn't bother. I didn't bother with it. A, a lot of people used to sort of, uh, truthfully, uh, let's get speedy down. Let's get speedy down. Get him to where it's gone. Get him to where it's gone. He can be with us. He can do, he can do. And then I started saying that, the majority of veterans that wanted me down were just trying to use me for their own fucking self-gain, so I stopped doing it. No one, for some reason, uh, no one likes to see another veteran succeed. And that's a sad way to be. And rather than see them succeed, rather than say, you know what, mate, well done, and, and come and join in with that success, they want to drag you back down to the shit life that they have. And that's what makes people fucking snap. Social media kills people, especially it's, Facebook, Twitter. It's evil, isn't it? Yeah. It's evil. Chris, I I won't expect this to go on that long. I have to go and take him back to his mother very shortly. <laughs> Trev, listen, I reckon we can have a lot more chats, mate. Um, yes. I'm, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. You, you've, you've given so much. I hope you're all right. I say to you what I say to any veteran out there. You can call me, mate, at three o'clock in the morning. I don't give a fuck. I will Thank be you. there for Appreciate you. It. You know. No, I will be there for you. And I know you'll be there for me. It's what yeah, family is what family is all about, you know. There's yeah. no need to be doing anything silly, folks. We've been through tough times, okay? But all for different various, you know, we've all been through tough times. So you just remember, tough times do not last. They just make you tougher. And then you look back and go, fuck me, I can't believe I was thinking like that like a year ago. Mm, and I've yeah. met this guy, this Chris Frew or this Trev and 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 they, their words have just inspired and you know things change but we've got this family you know we've got this there's no need to be doing anything silly just reach out reach out to the right person if they're a dick just call someone else you know um Trev just wonderful mate absolutely can we give your book a shout out quickly please oh it's first into Sangin first into Sangin there's it there I wrote Brilliant. that. I wrote it to get rid of all the shit in my head, if I'm honest, and uh, it came out in 2015. Uh, I enjoyed it. Lots of people, uh, I didn't want to give it to the media because I thought that people in the media don't understand what goes on in battle. So I got the, I got my reviews done by um, initial AR, Warrant Officer, RSM, SAS. I got the Patrick Bury, Big Phil Campion and stuff. So I got, I got people that have been involved in things to read it, to see what they thought of it. So I'm pleased, you know, it, it, 
it wasn't a bestseller, uh, it, but it's doing okay, so I'm happy with it. Every Oh, by the way, I will say this. I don't receive any royalties from this at all. Never have. Um, I'm not an idiot. Didn't give them away. Uh, they all go into my son's bank account for when he's 18. <laughs> Lovely, mate. And they fucking should do because writing a book is the hardest thing you can ever yeah. do in your one of the is writing a book is as hard as doing the Royal Marines Commander Court. Well, it's actually harder because if you think about it, probably more yeah. people pass that than they do write books. But so you you deserve every bloody penny. Um, Big Phil Campion, he didn't try and borrow money off you, did he? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, He's a swine, that one, you know. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I've had loads of run-ins with Phil, but you know what? I I respect what he's been through. He's a good mm. big guy. He's lovely. He come on a podcast and we just had, I reckon we had a chat like I don't think he's ever had with anyone because yeah. I don't want to talk like bang, bang shit all the time, you know. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's more going on here in life. and. Trev, you got to crack on, mate. To our friends at home, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. Um, we've touched on very serious ground. Um, uh, but, you know, you, you, we get one life, don't we? And we, we need to just discuss all this stuff. And rather yeah. than going and hate people, going out on a hater just yeah. means we hate ourselves, doesn't it, really? Just means exactly. we, hate, we hate ourselves and, and we shouldn't do that. And as veterans, let's stick together. You know, we've got, a be- we, we've got something very special. It's called family. And let's uh, preserve that. Folks, if you can like and subscribe, that would be great. Really, really would appreciate it. Click the Thanks notification bell. Uh, Trev, you're going to come back on um, many, 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 many more times, mate, um, if, if, if you would. That, it, Brilliant. Uh, thank you for being, being so open. It's been incredible. Well, thank you. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Have a good day, Chris. Yeah. Bye. Just just, just wait on the line, mate, so I can thank you absolutely properly. Um, thank you, friends. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.